14 minutes it is uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk with me, Ayabong Akawe. We now go into our wrap of the top business stories at the start of this new week. Joining me to do this is Snesi Pomani Njosh. She's a market commentator, independent analyst, and a chartered accountant. Snesi good evening to you and uh, welcome to Metro FM Talk. Hi, Aya. How are you? Good, good, and good. Cool, man. Uh, I want us to start off here with the Delta Property Fund. Uh, They uh, have cut uh, the forecast of dividends here in a tough economic environment, saying that their distributions are going to be much lower uh, than uh, what they had anticipated. Well, you know, Delta, it's been facing quite a bit of challenges because of number one, their number one client, which is government. They've been struggling to get those lease renewals in place because particularly with both provincial and national government, uh, because as you might not be aware of, 75% of their tenants are government. So they've been struggling with lease renewals on that side. On the other side, commercial, industrial, and retail tenants are all on all-time highs in terms of vacancies, except for industrial. Industrial is doing better, but commercial and retail have been quite suffering. So all around they're seeing fire flames, as one would say. So um, their results are not surprising. Mm. And also at the same time, you know that they're still trying to close that transaction with rebosis. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess when you look at what Delta currently looks like by way of their tenant mix, maybe just give us a sense there of uh, uh, where the bulk of uh, their tenant revenue is coming from. It's coming from government. Um, mm. It's coming from government. Remember, Delta and a lot of these, um, the black uh, property funds, were, were, uh, came through as a result of the larger listed groups uh, separating them and um, sort of turning into uh, separate, spinning them off and then uh, black, commodifying, blackifying the, the money. That's the best way to explain. So, so basically, what the. Blackifying. Is that even. A word? Blackifying. It's a word. You must just go with it, John. Our language evolved, show me. <laughs> so, basically, what they did is that they gave um, all their crappy assets to these uh, fund managers and gave them an opportunity to maybe grow and yield uh, from some of them. Mm. You'll notice that although the overall the property sector is quite depressed, the ones that have been the worst affected are the black-owned ones, and that's because they weren't given scale to grow. So the problem with government being your tenant, it's nice in the beginning, but things like when it comes to renewal time, your ability to... Um, gain also uh, capital growth appreciation is limited because of where the properties are situated. Mm. So you don't get the nice non offices in Stanton when you also down. Shame. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, even when you look, I guess, at uh, uh, this particular tie-up with Robosis, what, what is that going to mean by way of diversifying the asset mix um, and I guess the mix of tenants that they have? For some reason, actually based, it's not really, um, it's not a growth play. It's a survivalism, which is a major shield of Delta, mm. has said out loud that they are not going to uh, approve this because they don't see the value. They're like, uh, pay down your debt and you know, with your income. And that's because both of them, like I said before, um, they really, it's, it's 
it's a good opportunity that they got the head start. But fundamentally, if someone sells you the poor part of their business, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let, let's be honest here. And you know, they have done well because you know, Delta has then uh, also anchored another investment um, vehicle, Grid, which has done quite, mm. which, is a effort, which has done well. But their shareholding there is is uh, getting smaller and smaller because of the various rights and capital mm. um, issues going yeah. on. So certainly, makes, certainly makes us a bit more uh, circumspect, Snesipo, when uh, you hear of a bucket load of assets being offloaded and uh, disposed of and given to black players. makes you wonder about, I guess, the quality of some of those assets uh, uh, for many of these companies. But I want us to maybe move away from this one slightly. Um, and take a look, Snesipo, at uh, uh, the story here of ShopRite. Now, they seem to have battled slightly uh, outside of uh, South Africa, especially when it comes uh, to uh, the uh, Nigerian market, where it seems that uh, they were on the receiving end of uh, some violence there in response to all of the happenings that were unfolding here in South Africa. So ShopRite, so ShopRite is not necessarily bad. Not necessarily, that's not the complete picture. A lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, number one, they although they may have, it's not the complete factor. It's also because of the simple fact that they also they suffer from a lot of currency depreciation, mm. and also um, struggling to get their money out because that's also one of the things, and also struggling to get um, the sales numbers up. Because if you lot a lot of it, a lot of it, if you look at it in terms of where exactly. Um, uh, where they, they, they were shopped, they were, they were quite hit by a lot of currency devaluation, also in Angola, also in Angola as well. And as well as, you know, they've just been, because it's been a fairly violent, it, as much as they may say, it's not the root, it's not the complete cause of their results. It's, mm. a, it's a combination. You can't look at these things in isolation. No, definitely, definitely. And I think the, the currency devaluations, especially in Angola, have been a major issue, uh, also alongside, I guess, the inability to repatriate some of their profits there. But when we look, Snesipo, at uh, their internal cost of inflation and even the performance of their uh, South African uh, supermarkets, 10.3% up, uh, up there uh, by way of uh, their revenue and uh, in t- keeping that internal cost, of, or internal inflation, I should say, internal cost inflation at around 3% or so, uh, that would certainly be a, you know, a good uh, offer- offing when it comes to, I guess, uh, cost containment and uh, also top line. It is, it is. Um, also because ShopRite, uh, I, I pity people who try to supply, who are in ShopRite supply chain. ShopRite does not uh, does not play nicely when it comes to its suppliers. They're very, 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 they they push, they push quite hard, actually. It's mm-hmm. actually quite, so they're, um, they're, they're a great player in that you get the volume through them, but they don't play games. Because you have to understand, if your internal selling price inflation is 3% and your actual inflation in the country is hovering around 5.5%, 5.6%, it means that you've gotten your supplies and your value chain to decrease their prices, majority of them, or alternatively kept them relatively the same. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, let's also factor in that even CPI is coming in a bit lower. I mean, food price inflation, especially, is coming in a bit lower than, uh, you know, the midpoint range of uh, the uh, inflation uh, target. So, uh, I guess I guess a good showing here, if indeed you're a shareholder of Shoprite, but if you're a supplier, probably not so much. Just before we leave the the Shoprite story, some of your views on their loyalty program uh, within a week of uh, announcing this already a million subscribers. Of course. 
was. I was there. They were they basically they were just I was actually at a chicken store uh, last week. They were just basically so no, I was there. They were basically said, if you sign up, you get half price, double, double if you sign up. No shame. They are going for it. Like, they were just shoving those things down our throats. So, uh, you know, like, it was, it was one of those. And also, by the way, part of the reason why they're doing so well is because of liquor shops, but as the collapse. Okay. Well, uh, maybe touch on, I guess, uh, the uh, amber liquids uh, and uh, the impact on those numbers, uh, maybe at some other times. I want to maybe take a look now at Under Armour. Now, uh, many of the, I guess, you know, the those that are a bit fitter among us uh, or those who uh, are more active, and I know you are quite active, Ms. Nesipo, uh, would uh, be very familiar with who Under Armour is. For some of us who might not be familiar, uh, who is Under Armour and uh, uh, what uh, seems now to be an accounting scandal and uh, an inflation of some of their numbers here has come back to bite? Like, so basically Under Armour is a sports, uh, sports app or sports brand. And basically for the past couple of years, the results actually have been coming under pressure, largely because of the simple fact that Nike and Adidas are just dominating this market left, right and center. Now, they announced today that they're under federal investigation for inflation of numbers. Mm. So you need to understand they've been reporting a decline in numbers so I'm like, how low can they possibly be? So actually, they've been they've been understating how bad things were. Yes. So for me, it's actually quite interesting. So at some point of this year, but I just ran out of time. I was looking at the sports retail market in terms of what makes it tinker, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of people like to think that it it tinkers, it moves across because of brand affiliation. Not necessarily. There's a lot of technology component. Consumers are actually prepared to pay a premium for an appearance of improvement in performance, oh, yeah. um, the rise in specialist brands, specifically with your high-tech brands, things like your drive-fit technology for gold bras are becoming a really big thing. So you, you sort of, those sort of things have become very, very big in the sports market because you even noticed when Lorna Jane closed in SA, in SA, a lot of it is because although the clothes were fashionable, people want functionality in sportswear, mm. and they're prepared to pay for it. So my question with Under Armour is how bad like things are, because it really for me it it it, it, it shocks me that they're reporting a decline, and the fact that you're reporting a decline and you investigated for overinflation. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Last one here I want us to, us to take a look at, uh, the uh, CEO there at McDonald's, who uh, I guess has uh, certainly uh, been at the center of the foray into online ordering and delivery, uh, Steve uh, Easterbrook, has been fired uh, over a uh, consensual relationship with an employee. Uh, what's happening there? Uh, I have first, let me correct you, because we're, in the, we're going to 16 days. You cannot have a consensual relationship. It's not a balance of power to your subordinate. You cannot. Okay. Let us let us let us just show right. that. Thank you. Thank you. you cannot. Thank you. I take the lesson. I take the lesson. So a relationship with an employee, an exploitative mm-hmm. relationship with an employee. It has to be exploited. It mm. has to be viewed as exploitative because he's the boss. 
So it's actually quite funny. So if you look at the U.S. companies, they've actually gone, they said that more CEOs have been fired over ethical violations than they have over financial problems, which shows that, uh, number one, the movement of Me Too has not gone unnoticed. The only tragedy is that this man is walking away with how many share options, so he'll still be fine, but we cannot not mention the fact that it's exploitative. You cannot, as CEO, engage in any relationship with any employee because there's no balance of power. Hmm. And that it is, it is. I don't even think the word, it's not, it's not a relationship. I call it sexual harassment because even though someone says he's CEO, if, if it is a real relationship, someone moves out. Hmm. There's no such thing as, gosh, it's not even a relationship, it's abuse because balance of power that is your boss he should know better he ought to know better and we should not there should be zero tolerance the fact that he's walking away with share options and he's getting a nice early retirement and i dislike the tone of how it was actually being reported saying he's done so much mm. no he abused his power and position so this what, not, why, why do you think they gave him uh, i guess you know uh, a cautionary golden handshake here because they wanted the story to go away. They wanted it to go away. They wanted it to be quiet. There's no public, there's no Peter Moyerness of it all. There's no dramatic attention. <laughs> it's literally people just want people to go away. But at the same I, I honestly, um it's abuse. I think we need to we need to be getting to the culture of saying that relation any form of interaction as CEO, it is abuse because there's no balance of power. Mm-hmm. And you cannot say it's consensual. You cannot go into someone's job performance like, oh my God, but he did so much. No, he abused his position. He should know better. He ought to know better. The fact that he did all these strategies means he's not stupid. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let us uh, let us go towards. And for me, I'm of, I'm of the view that um, unless we take matters of uh, abuse, especially sure. gender-based violence, seriously, even how we report mm. it. And that is why you deserve to be called out about it, because even how you say he engaged in an inappropriate hmm. relationship. Okay. It is not, it is not, but you're calling it a relationship now again, Nesipo. Inappropriate, inappropriate relations. Not relationship. Relations. Not, it's not, it's not, it can't be consensual. Ah, relationship. Relations. Inappropriate relations with an S. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Without the Nganawa. Nesipo. Yeah. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out to uh, reflect on some of these stories. And uh, yeah, uh, I certainly uh, share that sentiment there, that there is an unequal uh, power dynamic there uh, between uh, Steve Easterbrook and the uh, uh, employee that he had inappropriate relations with. And uh, certainly not uh, consensual by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, that there was Snesipo Maninjwa. She is a market commentator, independent analyst, and the CEA helping us take stock of uh, some of the big news stories at the start of the